Welcome to episode 88 of the Motorific Podcast. Thank you again for waiting for us. We are back. It is the first week of December, and it looks like we missed quite a few bike launches. So we're going to get caught up on all the new bikes that came out last month and kind of talk about all these new small bike options that have come out. So now there are no excuses. If you're looking for a beginner bike, there are zero excuses as to why you can't find one because now everybody has something for you to choose from. Pretty much everybody has something for you to choose from. In addition to the new uh, Scrambler launch from Triumph and um, a couple other uh, launches, I think, that came in November. What else? There were also some new gear launches. November-ish is usually when some brands launch stuff. Off the top of my head, Revit launched their uh, spring 2017, winter-ish spring 2017 line. So we can talk a little bit about that. Um, and then whatever else we can remember that we forgot over the past month um, as far as news goes. I don't know that I have any really news stories. Do you have anything on that side, my dear? News? Yeah. Um... I'm like a news story. <clears throat> Nothing, nothing necessarily new in my world. Nothing earth shattering. Well, no, other than I get to do the launch for the BMW 310R. That's a nice segue into the welcome to the Wee Bike Fantastic Year 2017, mm -hmm. where suddenly everyone has a small sport bike. Mm -hmm. um, and by small, I mean about 300 cc displacement. Mm -hmm. um, Tuesday, we ride the BMW 310R. I'm super excited about it and uh, look forward to giving you guys my thoughts uh, next time around. And I forgot what the what the model name is co officially called on that. Is it, it literally is the 310R. 310R. From what I remember on the 310R, it's not a, is it a fully fared? So it's like a little naked uh, roadster. I guess I'd, I'd call that a roadster um, only because it's the, it has more upright seating position and a n pretty naked uh, fairing. Yeah. It's not it's like a GSX-R or... Definitely like more that. naked than the S1000R. Yeah, so more upright. Which is, yeah, which is their next comparable bike in that category. So got the, the baby sport bike and the Big Daddy 1000cc. And the R1200R, like that. I, looking at this one, this looks a little bit more comfortable, like maybe more like a R1200 like seating position. I don't know. It looks like fun, though. It looks like a great option. Like um, I'd say the alternative would be maybe 390 Duke, that kind of, I'd say, family or class. So naked sport tour, but not race position. So if you're looking for something to start on, that's... Yeah, comfortable, up more upright, just like a think of a ten degree lean, maybe not a, you know, laying down kind of lean. Because I think when a lot of people think about sport bikes, all you think of in your brain is something you'd race on, and that's definitely not the case with this kind of bike. But yeah, it, seat seat height on this bike is thirty point nine inches, unladen. So un uncompressed. <clears throat> Does it have? Ooh, yeah, ABS fully fueled. It is 349 pounds. Oh, that's so light. That's so light. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's I sat great. on it at the IMS show in mm -hmm. Long Beach. Mm -hmm. And 
I think confidently with one hand, with my feet both on the ground, I was able to flip the bike back and forth. Would you say that the rear suspension was also uh, reactive to you? Like, did it actually kind of compress under your weight? I don't really know that I even paid that much attention, but I will definitely have that kind of feedback come uh, next time. And of course, I'll I'll get the whole official spiel from BMW. So is that... That makes a big difference, too, with the seat height, because I already know some of you are thinking 30.9, there's no way I can ride that. But you have to take that number and subtract at least an inch, assuming that your weight is heavy enough to compress the suspension. So don't don't sure. freak out yet. Don't let yeah, that that's 31 That's why we say unladen. Worry. Yes. So don't worry about that number. Just think more about however they set this bike up and... and uh, I think the chatter, like the media chatter right now, is with all these small bikes that have come out since the ICMA launch in November, that they're trying to appeal to a newer or broader beginner market, including women. I think the kind of the assumption is, I feel like they kind of categorize all new women riders as small, but that's not necessarily the case because some women are bigger. But I, I think... I don't know. I just kind of, when you read stories about, you know, capturing the women's market, and I feel like there's always, an, they're assuming that we're all, they're all smaller. I don't know. That could be a good thing or a bad thing. I, I'm not sure. <clears throat> I think they're just trying to, you know, get Effort more. to attract women, minorities, and riders of smaller sizes to the sport. You mm-hmm. know, industry, industries are, are building smaller bikes. I don't agree with that. We'll go ahead and throw some of the, the links and the information from the IMS show and small bikes in our uh, notes and our show notes. Honestly, I don't see how minorities have a factor in smaller bikes. No, I, I think just, no. you know, and, and you can't even say that it's necessarily to attract women because I think marketing is the real key. It's not, uh, it's not um, motorcycle design necessarily as much as it is marketing to attract women, minorities, etc. Riders of a smaller size, okay, you know, we might be getting somewhere as far as needing a bike to start out on, regardless of whether you're male or female. Me personally, and Joanne may or may not agree, in order to build confidence, I like to have both my feet on the ground. I didn't start in the dirt, so it's a little different for me because if I started riding dirt, those bikes are pretty tall. So you from the very beginning have like one foot down for joanne you know you you do have well you had a scooter first but do you have feet. two feet on the ground for your first uh, actual motorcycle barely yeah so barely no hardly toes so comfortably speaking you know seat height is key but mm. here i am 10 10 or so years into riding and i can honestly say that i am downsizing some of the bikes that i have to a smaller engine size And that has nothing to do with attracting, you know, adding new motorcycles, uh, new low displacements does not attract me or or a minority necessarily. I think it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's nice to have options. It's Mm -hmm. certainly nice for me at this point to try to offload still my 800cc BMW and get something smaller and more manageable over uh, over both terrains. I know a lot of people will argue, oh, the 1200GS is awesome. You should upgrade. And it's just, it's a personal preference. We can argue all day long. But uh, in my heart, I want a smaller displacement motorcycle. That, uh, that rally Honda is looking pretty solid. Mm. If we want to move around to different bikes, I can't say that I might be interested in the 
the 310GS that they have, which mm -hmm. has a little bit higher seat height because, of course, you want to have ground clearance. So same motor, more or less, as the 310R. can't say that I'm going to get another BMW, but I can tell you that that CRF 250L rally bike mm -hmm. looks really sweet. Yeah, let's talk about yeah. that. <laughs> that definitely that definitely has my interest 2.6 gallons so that was launched right after ICMA as well and it's based on the CRF 450 rally machine raced by the uh, Dakar team um, sorry mm -hmm. in Dakar by team HRC it has the suspension you want but it's street legal so it's got a little windscreen it's got some mirrors and turn signals and a license plate holder so you can actually ride on the street with it not just the dirt but the little screen is actually a nice little addition to it. Um, it looks really nice, actually. Long travel suspension, knobby tires. Variable riding modes, two-channel ABS, Modal. which allows you to wow. turn off ABS at the rear. Wow. Let's see, what else? LED uh, headlights. A little bit more ground clearance. Ooh, a large fuel tank. Let's see. Yeah, the 2.6. Oh, 2.6. <laughs> I guess for a dirt bike, it's pretty big. Correct. Um, <laughs> hey, I like the ABS. That's actually kind of kind of neat to have on a bike like this. So for fifty eight ninety nine, it can be yours. March twenty seventeen for the CRF two fifty L. So if you're looking for a badass little rally style dual sport bike, that looks fantastic. Definitely, I'd say hard with this high pipe. Is it a dual? Is that a dual mount high exhaust, or is that just a single on the right side? Uh, single. That might be hard with baggage. Single right side only. Just like the same way I did my Honda 200 XL when I was traveling. It's got a, it's got a uh, cover. protective oh, cover. Cool. A shield. Nice. And I'm it's... sure they make it bag ready. Ooh, asymmetric headlights. I want to see what that looks like. Ooh. That's looks pretty cool. Nice. Uh, it doesn't say anything about colors. Just red, black, and white. Traditional Honda rally colors, it looks like. But it looks awesome for like city riding it looks fantastic sorry this story is talking about the cdr 1000 rr and then the other cool new small bikes that came out there was t uh, talk about a dl250 by suzuki like eichma announced it but they didn't say oh it's coming to the u.s on the state not not anything like that but um they did launch or announce a dl250 and it's a little baby Wiestrom, for those of you who like the Wiestrom, but you find the 650 to be just a little bit too top-heavy, which I personally do. Um, the DL250, it's basically a miniaturized Wiestrom. So another awesome entry-level ADV bike. Uh, maybe a little bigger screen. You know, the biggest difference with this... Oh, crap, this video. The biggest difference with this is the seat. It has a huge seat, so more touring comfort, meaning if you sit on it for more than five minutes, you're probably, you're probably going to be more comfortable um, on this bike. And the range looks like 300 miles on a single tank. Wow. That'd be nice. This looks so cool. And the headlight is huge compared to the little CRF. So more adventure style versus rally style because the rally bike is more like a dirt bike and then this little Wiestrom is more touring so bigger headlight a little taller head uh, screen it has a little more aggressive fairing on it uh, a little rack so the seats you know more touring 
friendly. It's got a little tiny rear rack, street tires, doesn't have the long travel suspension like a dirt bike. So uh, skid plate, it looks awesome. I, I hope they bring that here. It looks fantastic. Uh, seat height similar, but it's a little heavier. It looks like it's 418 pounds and uh, it's ABS equipped. Certainly a little bit more comfortable for a longer, maybe a longer riding day. So lots and lots of kind of dual sport adventure touring style bikes, uh, which is fantastic. And sport. And sporties. I feel um, like... I can also say that another, in the, in the same vein as the off-roady, um, there is now a Versus X, which is a 300cc ABS Versus, which I know is somewhere between more of a sport touring. It's not a KLR baby, but mm, um, nonetheless... No. It, uh, you know, kind of... I say it's just like... Gray, gray areas into that category. Yeah, I'd say a little more DL250E versus... Yeah, I, I, I'd... Anyway, looking at the Versus, I'd say it definitely looks more... I don't know, a little bit more leans toward the DL side of things. Touring. Think of it more as touring versus maybe adventure touring. Yeah. Um, but still has pretty good clearance. Doesn't have long travel suspension for more dirt capabilities. So anytime you think you want to really do more dirt, say 70-30 off-road versus on, you need that long travel suspension versus like 90-10 or 80-20 where you may end up on a road you didn't know was dirt, which is what I always am doing these days. I end up on something that looked paved, but it's not. So not intentional, I'd say, off-roading um, in the traditional candy lime green uh, versus. And the last time I rode a versus, I rode a 650 like a 2010 and it was very upright it was almost too comfortable is there a way that your bike can be too comfortable like I, I felt like i wasn't working very hard i just sat down and it was driving for me because i didn't really have to do anything it was very strange i found it to be <laughs> a little too comfortable but I, I felt myself like in another in another reality probably riding that and doing a lot of iron butts because you just sit up straight and you can just kind of ride it one-handed and kind of relax, kick back and relax on it. Um, very comfortable. And, you know, keep in mind that all these little 300s and 250s are all single cylinder. So that's fantastic because that means they're really skinny. So think about how narrow that bike will feel between your knees and it won't feel like you're squeezing a wheelbarrow. You know, it'll feel like you're almost on a really fat bicycle, like super lean, not as fat not as wide and then in turn that'll bring your feet a little closer to the ground versus pushing them out and then forcing you on your tiptoes so all these bikes are gonna i think feel like that and um i certainly bmw i for me bmw stands out when you look at how well they balance the bikes like i feel like uh bmw does such a phenomenal job in putting components on the bike in a way that you can't tell it weighs X hundred pounds. Like you read it and it says 450, but it feels like the bike weighs 350. I feel like BMW and KTM do a really good job of that. Um, my Triumph is balanced really well like that. So that'll make a big difference too. So it's always important not to read too much into the numbers and go by feel, sit on it. You know, if you can test ride it, but these are all awesome bikes. You just can't go wrong, I think, with any of them, really, especially with ABS coming with them. I think that's really cool. Yeah, I think the uh, the onslaught of ABS in 2017 models 
is relative to Europe making ABS a requirement for mm. all motorcycles in the European market. Yep. And so Spilling a lot over. of those designs are going to translate over to the American market just because they're mass producing. Yeah. Um, so, hey, you know, more benefit to us as hey, far as I'm concerned. Speaking of ABS, did you see that article on Common Tread about that? No. I don't know if anyone here reads Common Tread, but it's Repzilla's community website. And there was a very good article about, I'm um, trying to remember what the exact subject content was, but there was a heated discussion in there about ABS. You know, is it important? Is it not important? Do you need it? Mm. Do you not need it? I mean, it's such a heated debate. Sure. You know? it's, uh, it's, it's polarizing. I it mean, I, I can tell you that I appreciate ABS 100%. Mm -hmm. I did not learn on an ABS bike. Mm -hmm. um, I was just very lucky that I did not have a lot of scenarios where I had to grab grab and nail front rear um however i will tell you after years of riding the bmw and having abs brakes and then having another motorcycle that you ride that does not have abs oh you pick up on that fast mm -hmm. so you know it's a double-edged sword if you only ride abs bikes you'll be fine if you can turn it off when you're in the dirt i'm sure things will improve for you but if you flip-flop back and forth or you learn on a motorcycle that is only ABS and then you bounce to your second motorcycle that is not ABS, you will have to retrain yourself and how you apply brake pressure to both front and rear because each bike is different. And if you goose it just a little too much, you'll end up <laughs> uh, seeing your re rear wheel come into view as you're riding down the street which I can't honestly say I did, but I did lock up the rear on the on the Triumph within like the first week of having it. So that said, um, it's awesome. I totally think that as a beginner, you should have some experience riding motorcycles without ABS mm -hmm. because I think it teaches you how to apply which, you know, which brake and which mm -hmm. percentage yep. in an emergency scenario. I totally so. agree. That's that's where I come from as well. And the reason, actually, this is a good yeah. segue into this article from Common Tread about the Virginia Tech study. So you may or may not have heard of or read about the Hurt Report, which was a motorcycle crash study released in the 80s. Whoa, 1980s, somewhere in that decade. I can't remember, it was like 89, 88. And it was before the advent of ABS, before cell phones, before distracted driving was really such an issue as it is today because back then the issues were drunk driving right that was I think the number one cause of many fatal accidents and then now it's kind of changed a little bit to where distracted driving is really up there now if anything I'm, I'm not surprised if distracted driving texting has surpassed uh, DUI and drunk driving I remember when I was young like in high school that was always the you know drunk drive don't drink and drive and we have all these talks and seminars and that was kind of a big thing but now distracted driving is a huge thing and basically this uh, report was it looks like it was put together by the motorcycle safety foundation and yeah um, and the mic because we discussed it at the symposium oh you did perfect so yeah. right so it was put together by them and but it was conducted by virginia tech university and so there were a couple of really interesting things that kind of relate to the need for EB abs and it said that in this report well so first of all it looks like with this report, they chose about a hundred, looks like a hundred different riders. So they collected data from a pretty wide variety of, of um, 
of writers in a huge variety also of writing lifestyles, ages, and writing experience. So it wasn't just like all beginner writers or all writers from the same city. So it looks like they really tried to get a variety. It said 100 writers aged 21 to 79 in California, Arizona, Florida, and Virginia. They outfitted motorcycles with video cameras showing the writer's face and forward, rear, left, and right views. They had GPS and data loggers to capture other data like brake pressure and acceleration. So what they found was there were a couple of things that really lended to crashes, like what, um, how and why we crash. And one of the things that stood out for me was it looks like a pretty um, high percentage of people were actually rear-ending other vehicles, meaning we on our motorcycles are rear are hitting other vehicles from behind so that it said there were 35 of those incidents um from their their data collection so what does that mean so they were trying to look into why are so many of us doing that some so there's a lot of discussion in in this particular story about well if he had abs then probably would have been okay and but but maybe not i mean we're still human you know we're still people so Unless we're robots, we we may not be able to use, right? We may miss the opportunity to use our ABS properly because we are human and we are, you know, distracted or whatever. So, like, for me, having the technology is, is awesome, but it'll only work for me if I'm able to use it, right? I mean, it, it can't, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm like on the fence of whether can it save me every time or or if I'm not doing my job, how will it be useful to me? I don't know if that does that make sense. No, I mean, I'm still operating it's it, right? Nice to have a safety net, yeah. but at the same time, we should be aware of emergency maneuvers. I think more often than not, right. you learn it. If you took the MSF course in the very beginning, which I did, and I can only remember a couple of really small things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that they kind of touch into are emergency maneuvers. And I think that that's something that it's obviously good to know right before you get off onto the road and start practicing. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think that's one of the things that, you know, just based on luck of the draw and on having to do it, that uh, over time, it would be a real key for a refresher. So a couple Especially of, if you're on mm-hmm. LA freeways. <laughs> yes, I'd say that's, God, that's got to be like, the, that's the gauntlet of learning. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that they attribute the risk factors to is inattentive writing, right? So distracted writing, writer inattention, lack of skills, and aggressive writing, aggressive writing behavior. So I guess whether that's swerving too much or speeding, I don't know. But it says um, that those those factors really like increased your risk factor quite a bit. And that makes sense. You're writing risky, then yeah, I would think that your risk factor goes up and your chances of getting hurt or hurting someone else also go up, right? And then the other thing that they found was that people drop their bikes a lot, a <laughs> lot, <laughs> like drop yeah. them. At, we're talking zero miles an hour, not uh, just out of the garage, but maybe at a stop sign. Like <laughs> They played some of the footage, so they actually had mm-hmm. uh, clips of nice. some of the different writers. Obviously, you don't know who or, or you know, the person's identity or, or face or anything, mm-hmm. but uh, they played a couple of the bike drops. <laughs> and then there was one where I didn't really 
we didn't go into a lot of detail, but as I was watching this clip, and mm -hmm. I don't know if it's available on that website, on MSF's website, but um, it was a situation where a motorcyclist was in the right right through lane. There is a left through lane, so it's a two-lane, uh, four-lane road, mm -hmm. and he was in the rightmost lane, and I don't know, maybe 200 feet. I'm just throwing it out there. It's like two or three properties ahead of him. There was someone turning left to go into a gas station. So that would be turning left to go in front of him. Mm -hmm. And it, he ended up crashing, he or she ended up crashing into the vehicle that was turning, turning. into the gas station mm -hmm. um, head on or clipped a piece of him. But what I kind of couldn't gauge is to whether or not he actually, he or she actually took their hand off the throttle at that point. Hmm. It seemed, I mean, depending on whether or not they sped up the footage, I don't know, but hmm. it just seemed like there is enough time that when you see that activity happening in front of you, you drop throttle and you maybe apply the brake because you're not going to assume, oh, this guy will be totally gone by the time I get there. Because when does that ever happen? <laughs> you know, you so. No idea. It, yeah, I mean, I, I read the first few pages. I didn't have time to read all of it, but I do want to actually read through the whole thing because I'm sure there's some other really cool tidbits in there. But basically what the study, I think, implies is that we screw up a lot. And mm -hmm. a lot of these accidents are it, things that we can prevent, like not being distracted, not driving recklessly, um, you know, uh, having rider proper rider training so that we can avoid collisions better, um, but not necessarily we need ABS. Like that's the, the, the technology isn't the solution so much as the rider, um, increased rider skill development, awareness, that sort of thing. And that, I mean, that makes sense. It's, we're still people who have to operate these vehicles and we're the ones who make the decisions. So I think just kind of what you can take away is you should certainly stay on top of your rider training if you don't have proper training you should get some there's so many things that you'll learn so many things that will help you minimize your risk factors and kind of bring your oh crap incidences down from every day to maybe once in a while i, I don't know but um you can never learn too much i would say so i think that i thought that was really cool that they uh, put that together and it looks like they did it over the period of a couple of years so it wasn't like a short study like they um let's see a total of 366,667 miles so I'd say that's that's quite a bit of data and a lot of um like pretty reliable information you know it's not everybody who rides in the United States but it it's probably a pretty fair sampling you know, and certainly that, of course, is going to vary, you know, within from person to person. But um, I think the conclusions they draw are pretty, pretty reasonable. And, and, and you probably can see it all the time when you watch videos on YouTube and news stories about people crashing and that sort of thing. Yeah, I love how the comments are exactly <laughs> what we talked about before. Didn't even need to read them to know that. <laughs> There's just a lot of yeah. banter about the ABS. When are you going to have it? And, I, you know, blah, blah. and sure. You know, technology, no, I agree. You know, technology's great. It's nice to have it. Um, yeah. 
But mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, uh, it's it's like uh, it's like most of those comments say. There are a lot of great motorcycles out there. If they don't have ABS, it's not something you can add. I would still buy them. Hence the reason mm-hmm. why I bought the T100. Do I wish it has ABS? Sure, but you know, I still like the motorcycle. I'm gonna ride it without. I'm not gonna turn down a 750 SS because it doesn't have ABS. If someone were to you know just give me one. Right. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to give up my bike for ABS. It's like, it'd be nice to have it, but it's not a deal breaker for me. I'm, yeah, it I, just means I got to work a little bit extra hard in terms of not, not hitting the panic button and yeah. thinking things through. There you go. So either so way. I think, no, I was just going to say, I think that's pretty much the crux of the issue is mm-hmm. your emergency skills. So I think that rounds up our small bike Um yeah, did you talk about, did we talk about the Jixer, the baby Jixer? Oh, that's right. That too? So let's see, the G, what is it called? The official name GSX for GSX-250R. R. And that also came out at ICMA, right? Mm, I, I believe think so. so. That's yes. a 2018, 2018 though, not 2017. At least on the USA Suzuki site, they're sure. calling it the 2018. So I'm wondering if that means it's not going to come out until... Um, until really 2018 models. So I guess you could say in 2018, virtually all, with the exception of Triumph, mm-hmm. all of the major OEMs yep. will have a sport bike in the two to 300 cc range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Triumph, they, there's, there's rumorings about it, but who knows if they'll actually get on board and make one. With this 2018 GSX-250R, the MSRP is to be announced, so they haven't even announced a price point, but it'll probably fall somewhere in the Honda CV300 and the Cowie 300, I would think. Yeah, to maintain, uh, to be competitive, sure. Yeah, it'll probably be like 4500 or something like that. I think that, BMW or... is the most expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they're only somewhere around five to $8,000 is roughly a good price for getting a lot of sales, motorcycle sales, stirring sales. What's interesting about this Suzuki is that it's a four-stroke twin, a parallel twin. And I thought it would be a little single. I mean, aren't the, all the other sporties singles? Let's see, because a CBR is also, I believe, I thought it was a single. Um, could be totally wrong about that, but I, I thought it was. I wonder how that would lend itself to power and rideability. I mean, I don't know. I mean, parallel twin versus single in a 300. I, I don't know how much, how different. Yeah, Honda's a single cylinder, and so is that BMW. Um, mm-hmm. Interesting. I wonder what that means. I wonder if that's something... Is that more of a race spec 250? Hmm. Fascinating. Other, let's see, what are the other specs on this little guy? Fuel injected, of course. Four gallon tank. Hey, it's a pretty good tank size. Let's look at that uh, weight and seat height. So similar seat heights for the sporties, 31.1, but the curb weight is 392. This mm, is a little on the heavy side. Is that the Suzuki you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's the twin for you. If it was a single, wow. it'd be a lot lighter, yeah. So it's a little heavier, a little taller. Um, I wonder, ooh, is there any ABS though? I don't think there's ABS on this. I don't think so. How does that spec wise? I wonder if that's closer to an R3. Let me just check the specs on an R3 really quick because I know the R3 is it's pretty tall compared to the Honda and Cowie counterpart. Uh, let me just check the Honda. So the Honda is, or sorry, the R3 
Wet weight is 368. Seat height is 30.7. Yeah, wet weight oh, is 368. Wow. So that means that the uh, the Baby Jixer and the R3 are both twins. And the remainder of the market, if I'm not uh, if I'm not mistaken, are singles. Although I haven't sat on an R3. Well, either way, I'm sure they're awesome. But yeah, lots of sporty options. God, why couldn't they have come out with these like 12 years ago? It would have been so nice to have five different things to choose from instead of two. So no excuses. Lots and lots and lots and lots of choices. And remember that you're not going to have your first bike for like a week and then be, and then be like, I'm done and I'm ready for a GSX-R600. It doesn't work that way. And if you think it does, then you're in for a world of hurt and disappointment and crying and being upset and being disappointed in yourself and having low self-esteem and self-confidence. So these are bikes you'll have a lot of fun on and, and learn a lot on. It'd be nice to have like a little 300 to ride around town again on, I think. Sure. You know, little guy. I mean, the way I look at it, some people will buy new motorcycles mm -hmm. some as their first bike, yeah. which is totally fine because I if yeah. I had the choice between a new house versus an older house in the same price range, I would absolutely get the newer house because nothing's going to go wrong with that thing you would hope for yeah. a, a fair amount of time. So definitely your maintenance options are going to be, uh, your your maintenance needs are going to be a lot lower on a new motorcycle. However, you know, I, I typically advocate that if you're not in the price range to get a new motorcycle, to mm -hmm. get something used that's been dropped once or twice already so that you can... Uh, kind of decide whether or not motorcycling is for you, have a slightly less expensive option, um, perhaps advance past that if you're one bike kind of uh, household mm -hmm. as far as displacement size. Oh, I wanted to share, it's so random off topic, I got this awesome t-shirt <laughs> from the, a website called Blip Shift, Blip, B-L-I-P Shift. If you're a car person, they actually have a lot of cool car t-shirts. Sometimes there's also motorcycle t-shirts. So I got one. That was really cute. I just posted on my Instagram today. So check it out. Instagram.com slash gearchick. And it's a little late late apex graphic. And it says um, fashionably late. It's so cute. It's, so, it's a stupid inside joke thing. But if you if you know what that means and you think you like, you want to wear a t-shirt with that says, that says that and has a little cute little graphic check it out i don't know if they're making them anymore but Blipshift does like limited runs they go here there's a new here's the newest t-shirt it's buy it now for 30 days or whatever mm -hmm. and they do another graphic and if you're not sure what that means it's referring to cornering technique so google that read it it's very very useful super super useful my latest that's really my only gear acquisition in the last month was a t-shirt um, terrible i have all the stuff i need i just and I'm not riding much right now, sadly. I've got a list. I've got a shopping list ready for spring. So come March, I'll be buying some new things. I will be buying what I decide last week. I decided I'm going to buy, oh, I'm going to buy new heated grips so I can actually ride toward the end of this winter. I'm not going to ride right now, but I'm going to buy some new heated grips. And I think I'm going to buy a new heated liner because my heated jacket liner is old. So I'm going to upgrade my heated liner and then some new boots time to replace my CDs because they're about five years old and they're wearing out, especially since I crashed in them. There's like a little hole by my toe. My other upgrade I want to do, I also want to get um, a new helmet. Yes, because Arai, they launched their new helmets. Uh, two new styles last month. No, it's October, early October, I want to say. They did that whole launch party and 
in LA. I have a new new helmet, so depending if it fits me, maybe a new helmet next spring. Not now, because it's 40 degrees outside. Also from Triumph, uh, that oh. had a very small presence at the IMS this year. Yeah. Um, they launched their all-new Bobber motorcycle. Oh, so that's, that's right. a Kind of a cruisery bike with a monoshock. Very different looking motorcycle mm -hmm. as far as what Triumph has come out with previously. Yeah. So that will be, remains to be seen as far as uh, what it's like to ride. Um, I did get a chance to sit on one. And? And? The reach was... Like a cafe style. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I, you know, I have pretty long arms. Uh, someone with shorter arms is definitely going to be reaching down. forward. Hmm. Yeah. So I don't know how much my back would love that motorcycle, but um, <laughs> that's something new to watch for in the motorcycle pubs when they start doing the product launches for that bike. And uh, they also said that um, there's all new Bonneville T100, but they don't substantially look different. I'm sure there are subtle, and, and the Scrambler, subtle changes between uh, previous model years, but... But do you work at the airport? I, I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't I remember work you. at the end of an airport. Oh, okay. Sorry, listeners. Next time, hopefully, we'll be, I don't know, not in an airport. <laughs> it's a really um, nice day. I can't... Uh, <laughs> this is probably the first time that we've had this many takeoffs during <laughs> during weird. the recording. That is weird, right? <laughs> um, you might have even gone to a Bobber launch event... Like, they did one here. They're doing one, I think it's actually this week, in Philadelphia, at the Triumph Philadelphia dealer. There's mm -hmm. a Triumph Bobber launch, but it's Wednesday, and I'm working, so I won't be going. But if you just Google it, or maybe call your local dealer, they'll probably know what dates they are coming um, to. And they're only going to major cities, of course, you know, L.A., New York, Philadelphia, San Francisco, yada, yada. So call your dealer maybe they'll be coming to a location near you but it looks like it's a launch party for the bonneville for the yeah for the bobber bonneville so and then uh, for the ladies out there who like to ride at uh, at the track or for someone who has not been uh, at a track day that mm. are in socal mm. femwalla is going to be on december 16th at chuckwalla uh, femwalla is also uh, a charity as well so proceeds go to benefit um, a particular uh, motorcycle charity. How many years have they been doing Femwala? I know they're doing it for a while, at least five years, at least. But they've been doing it every year now for, I don't know, maybe 10 years or something like that. Who Do you know who yeah. puts that on every year? Like who's behind that? Robert's the one who started it, if oh, I remember right. correctly. Let's yeah. See. We go to femawala.com 2010. Yeah, the, the charity is uh, relative to the to a cause for the track owner. Um, it's called the Unforgettables Foundation, mm -hmm. and that foundation assists with burial costs to families who have lost a child. There you go. But yeah, it looks like six years, 2010. That's cool. $165 for the day. Yeah, 165 bucks. Raffle. There are additional add-ons. You can have your suspension uh, set up for you for an additional 40 bucks. Two up ride, additional additional dollar amount. Yeah, it looks looks awesome. There's a raffle prizes. There's a dinner. They have a safety meeting. You're gonna meet a lot of other women who ride. You're gonna get really great tips on riding, and riding the track. Are you? Yeah. Thinking? 
I I'm going, but I'm not going to ride. I am going to uh, support some women who are riding. Cool. And Brittany will also be out there as well. Oh, nice, Brittany Morrow. You got it. Our lovely friend. Awesome. Sounds fun. December sixteenth. So that's a couple weeks. Yeah, sadly, I don't think I have any more motorcycle things to do this month. I think I'll be. I contemplated going riding today, but then the high is like forty-five. Feels like thirty-five. That just sounds <laughs> awful. So unless there's a heat wave week again like we had last year, then I will maybe go riding. But looks like we're going to have a regular winter this year. So like frigid, crappy temperatures. I've had anything other than a heat wave. Mm. I've been freezing. Mm. Yeah, mm. Mm. me too. Mm. <laughs> down. But for me, but for me, freezing is like 50. I was hot this morning in my down coat. It was only 48. Like it's not that hot. I mean, not that cold out. I feel like it's, it's really not that chilly. And then I realized I was standing in the sun. So of course it's warm in the sun and there wasn't any wind. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty miserable here. Total random. So gear, just want to briefly touch on Revit. Uh, they launched their spring collection for women. Well, men and women, of course, but they have a couple of really nice new additions for the adventure and adventure touring uh, fran ah, friends out there. So if you're going to buy a Versus 300 and you need a new outfit, maybe, to go with your Versus, um, they launched a new outfit called the Outback. Um, actually, the Outback jacket for women has been out for a while, but they just launched the Outback pants. And the uh, Outback pants... They're basically a three-season uh, kind of cargo-style pant with a couple of vents on it. It has two removable liners, a waterproof and a thermal, so you can wear it almost the year-round. So if you live in the Bay Area, you can wear it year-round. If you live here, it's a little bit too hot for, say, July, when it's 90 degrees of 80% humidity, but it's about three and a half seasons. They also launched a new outfit called the Horizon, and the Horizon was previously a men's-only outfit, about uh, five, six years ago, they had the Horizon men's, uh, but they brought back the men's uh, jacket and the ladies. So the Horizon 2 uh, jacket and pant, and it's actually very similar to the Outback with um, just a detachable thermal liner. So for those of you who actually prefer your jacket to be waterproof all the time, then you're going to have, um, you're going to like this jacket. So you can't take the waterproof uh, link out or the waterproof, excuse me, uh, liner out, and um, but you can take the thermal out. So slightly different seasons, slightly different maybe geography, maybe more of a spring, fall, winter coat um, if you live in, say, Philadelphia, and then you'd have maybe a mesh coat after that. So they also have a matching bottom. So lots of new options for us on the touring side and the kind of That um, looks adventure. reminiscent to our GTX. Yes, it's similar to the Legacy, just not Gore-Tex, um, pretty much. And then, oh, the other new thing, which I think is a very new style, is they came out with a new mesh jacket, and I think specifically for the bobber lifestyle, because let's face it, if you, like for you, right, your creamsicle, if you wanted to buy a mesh jacket for that, your choices are more on the sporty side, or the touring side, right? Nothing that really blends in with your more uh, classic lifestyle. So this new mesh jacket's called the Revit Eclipse Ladies, and it comes in a brown. Ooh. So it's this really pretty tan mesh brown because 
hey, if you're riding in the summer, it's hot, you need a mesh jacket and you may not want black. Um, a lot of people do not like black for the heat. I would say that in the heat with black mesh, it's especially hot because when you wear mesh, the heat goes right through you, right? The, the barrier is a lot thinner, right? Imagine being in the desert and you're wearing a long sleeve black t-shirt. For one, the heat goes right through because the t-shirt's really thin, but then the color's not helping, right? Um, so with this style jacket, it's mesh, so it's lighter, but at least it's brown. It's not a dark brown. I, to me, it looks like a, maybe a, not a caramel. I don't know how I would describe that, but I'm hoping it's less on the tan side and really more on the true brown side of things, like a honey, like maybe a dark honey. I don't know. It's hard to yeah, tell. Yeah, it's really hard to tell. Stock photography can be a hit and a miss sometimes. It can be tough. Um, but th these are not available until March. Uh, Revit's launch dates are usually February, March-ish, and then October-ish, so spring and fall. So look for that. Of course, it also comes in silver for those of you who like light, light colors, and then black, who love black. So I thought those were two fun um, outfits. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to check one out in the spring when they come out. That's what's new from our friends at Revit. And they have a couple other little things that they launch too, like a winter parka, if you wanted something to scoot around the city and and they came out with a little jacket like that, but at least on the uh, kind of touring side, long distance riding, that sort of thing. What else? Anything on the uh, email side of things that we missed? Um, we have the some reader submittals, um, reader submission, I guess you could call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes we're behind on that. Our listener, Jerry, had uh, <laughs> sent us uh, a couple weeks ago um, an article on Michigan's repeal of their helmet law uh -huh. it was a soft repeal so not a complete and it was back in 2012 so basically if you're over 21 and you have two years of riding experience and um, a certain degree of insurance you were allowed partial repeal they call it mm -hmm. um, let's see twenty thousand dollars in first party medical benefits and uh, if you've passed a safety course hmm. or held the endorsement for two years, um, that you do not need to wear a helmet. And basically uh, a minor study, so I think more observational than in-depth, I guess you could say, mm -hmm. casual study, mm -hmm. um, basically indicates that um, while the number of fatalities in the last couple of years did not increase, motorcyclists who were not wearing a helmet in a crash had a fatality rate of 5.4%, which is nearly twice as high as the 2.8% for riders wearing a helmet. So, um, and then there's a 14% increase in head injury rates overall. So I don't really think that I'm going to dispute, need to dispute the fact that whether you die or not, when not wearing a helmet, certainly having a head injury is no walk in the park or a picnic. Nope. So granted helmets cannot, uh, completely save you from every single accident. Um, but they can definitely lessen the blow. And we all know that you don't need to crash hard to hurt your head. You can just be moving your bike around in your driveway and have a little drop. And if you hit mm -hmm. it just right, you're, you're not in for a happy ending. So I think, well, so there's that somber moment. <laughs> well, everyone knows our stance on helmets. It's, they're a good thing. Can't can't really dispute that. That's yeah. Sure, factual. they make my hair look like crap when I remove my helmet. No, no. Well, 
you know. But that's why I carry a baseball cap around with me. I can't remember those. I had a girlfriend who she had really pretty reddish auburn long hair, like pretty straight, wavy. I'd say wavy, but not curly, um, not especially voluminous, but just, you know, Marsha Brady, but very wavy. And every time she would take her helmet off, she would just shake it out and it just looked like she brushed it, but she <laughs> had not. And we would just all look at her like, how the, how do you keep that without it, it looking like this I don't we yeah never knew her secret. my hair is fine um if you have wavy hair or if you have really Thicker. curly hair mm -hmm. uh, I have seen <laughs> my my curly haired friends that pile it inside the helmet and then take the helmet off and shake is is what dreams are made of for mm -hmm. men because basically the hair mm -hmm. comes out and it's perfect every time mm -hmm. yeah just like I hate you I hate you so much or as if you have like a giant one giant calic like I do um, even with my <laughs> short, short hair in the back, my cowlick will just stand up if I'm <laughs> if the helmet's on funny because my hair's so straight. It's just so straight and it doesn't curl at all. So it just intensifies my cowlick 10 times. So then I, that's why I keep it so short in the back because then it minimizes the chance of the cowl. Or I just run my hair through my my hands are in my hair really fast and make it look like it was supposed to look that way. It's the only way I can really maintain. But yeah, you know, it's, it's hard. Helmet hair, is, it's a small sacrifice. Remember, these are first world problems. Oh, my exactly. hands look so good. That's what oh, baseball my... caps are for. And, right? and the, <laughs> another benefit, an, another little trick of the trade, if you're just now joining us, because I think I've mentioned this before, dry shampoo. <laughs> I always carry a travel size container of dry mm. shampoo because for me, my particular problem, A, my hair is mostly straight and it's very thin and it's uh, prone to being oily. Mm. And I've always had problems with the helmet liners, which is why I always advocate uh, trying to find a nice helmet that is safe and has a removable liner um, so that you can wash them because I wash mine periodically. And so what I do, if my hair was nice before I put the helmet on, um, afterward I spray it with the dry shampoo mm. and then you wait like a couple minutes and I think hmm. um, probably baby powder type, uh, mm. there's some kind of powder, some yes. kind of towel powder, I've something or that. other, an ingredient in the dry shampoo. So you spray it, your hair might turn yes. white. Um, at least my hair does based on this particular style that I use. And you brush it through and out. Mm, nice. And then it just kind of revitalizes your hair on the spot. Yeah. Nice. That's awesome. So that's that's my go-to if I know I'm going to absolutely need to look pretty after I take my helmet off. Okay, last thing. Um, I posted a review. <laughs> I posted my summer glove review because, you know, you might need one right now, even though it's December. My review of my held summer gloves. They're fantastic. I really love them. Um, I just posted it like two days ago. So they're on my blog. They're also on my review page. They're the held touch perforated gloves. So they're fully summer perforated palms, little touch fingers. You can use your phone when you pull over on the side of the road, not while you're riding. And um, lots of protection. Great for summertime riding. Really something I'm going to wear when it's really hot. I still want to wear my slightly more protective gloves uh, most of the time. But it was for me a small compromise to to get a summer glove with slightly less. Not, 
I wouldn't even call it really less protection. Not not really than what I normally wear, but just different, a little different. And it's a very simple glove, just black, plain black leather. You can wear it on any bike if it's a, a bobber or a cruiser or a sport bike or a touring bike or an adventure bike. It works kind of on everything. And then, of course, they have it for men. Check that out when you have a second. If you're shopping for summer right now, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you live in uh, Florida. Maybe maybe it's hot in December. I don't know. Mexico. Maybe you live in Peru and it's hot. We do. And I get... guess. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was gonna say. Um, I should have organized every single thing before we had this. So apologies that we've kind of bounced around <laughs> yes. a little bit. But um, Sorry. as I'm kind of going through my inbox, this is what happens when we we can't get together very often. We're cruising through about a month's worth of data. Mm-hmm. Um, Ducati North America also debuted for new motorcycles at the 2017 Long Beach oh, motorcycle yes. show. That's right. um, know that you can see all of them as they travel through your city. So uh, New York actually is this weekend. So those within driving distance to New York City, it will be uh, again at the Javits Center. So you have a couple of things to look out for there. Um, of those four motorcycles, of which the 1299 Super Legera, which is the crazy $80,000 expensive <laughs> fancy motorcycle, um, 215 horsepower on a twin, <laughs> is the first production street legal motorcycle with a full carbon fiber structure. So if you would like one of those, um, head over to the Long Beach uh, or the, the International Motorcycle Show in your neighborhood. Um, also, the Super Sport, which is a slightly more affordable, uh, more realistic horsepower, uh, about 13,000 and 113 horsepower. It's a, a sport bike. And they've also lowered the size of the Sport Touring Multistrada. So you can get a mm. 950. So that brings that price point down to 14000 instead of the larger counterpart. So I'm quite interested in how the 950 is, especially with like all the different modes. Because as you remember, I rode the uh, larger Multistrada in Alabama and in Georgia, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. Um, and the Scrambler Desert Sled. So uh, kind of a spinoff of the original Ducati uh, larger displacement Scrambler is their Desert Sled version. And that that's a little bit more capable of going off-road. Uh, reinforced frame, adjustable suspension, spoked wheels with a 19-inch and uh, a little bit more suited for dirt than the standard Scrambler models. Okay, more random things. Today we were shopping and I saw the coolest toolbox. We saw this awesome modular toolbox system. It was something like, uh, it was called the, um, here, right, Ryobi, Ryobi, you know, Ryobi, they make, uh, mm, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, they make uh, drills, right, and other mm-hmm. things. And they make this really cool product called a toolbox, tool, B L O X. And our garage is tiny. And so this thing was awesome. It's like the stackable toolbox on wheels. And it has drawers, little drawers and things for you to organize all your tools. Like really cool. And some lady bought it for her husband in the store we found it in. And then they didn't have any more. Like the only one they had was that one. And some (laughs) woman already bought it for her husband. Couldn't find it. And this apparently this is only available in New Zealand. Like what? Why? Why is this only available in another country? It was... So cool. 
Um, for those of you who work on your own bikes, you know how important tools are. You know how important it is to have your tools accessible and to have them organized. So when you're cleaning your chain or you're fixing something, you can reach for your tool and it's always in the same place. And to have a clean workspace, right? And have a clean little garage. This thing is so cool. I found like a Sears comparable product, like a modular toolbox. But I need to check and see if that, that'll work. Because our, our garage is shared. So we have a corner that we could put something in. But it needs to, the depth needs to be short, like 14 inches or something. And then it, the width could be longer. But it can't be something that sticks out because we have to park the bikes and the Jeep in there together. So it sits all the way in the front of the garage in the corner. And this little thing was awesome. And it was on wheels. So you could, like, wheel it around if you're working on your bike, you know. If you see something like that, please send me an email because I, <laughs> I would love to buy that. And if you don't work on your bike, I suggest that you learn. It's really fun. I'm not talking about like major surgery, like rebuild an engine, but clean your chain or, you know, adjust your tire pressure or, uh, I don't know, install crash bars, you know, just little things. I don't know. I, I, that's all I had for my random list. Do you have anything else on yours? No, I think I've clustered my way through <laughs> this episode instead of having something highly organized. We will try to get our S together for the 89th. Um, something a little bit less sporadic. Um, I'll be around. I don't know where Christy will be, but hopefully we can get together again uh, in two weeks instead of letting this drift off. Yeah, that year. puts us post femwalla. I will be around. Okay, perfect. So we'll promise that we will get ourselves together in a couple of weeks. Hopefully a little bit more organized. If there's anything that you want to talk about or anything you uh, think would be interesting, please send an email to Motorific. Actually, just go to the Motorific website and use the contact page. That's actually the best place. And then you can submit your email that way. And we'll, um, we'll get to those and we'll, we'll try to get to that for the next episode. In the meantime, visit us on Facebook at Motorific Podcast. Find us on our social feeds, ADV Goddess on Twitter. Gear check on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram, Motorific Media. Gear check just all over, really. Find us, chat with us. In the meantime, we will see you in a couple weeks.